Well, it is good to be uh, up here this morning. I'm officially one month away from my West Coast family coming home for Christmas, and uh, so uh, we get regular updates with uh, little Liam. And uh, speaking of, uh, we speaking of like social media and Facebook. Did any other parent in this room fall for the uh, mom, dad? How long does it take in a, to cook a turkey in a microwave? I, I fell for it uh, because now, in in fairness to me, my daughter has asked some rather bizarre questions as she's been out on her own. Uh, but the text was something like. Uh, how, yeah, how long does it take to cook a 22-pound turkey in a microwave? And I look at the text, and I'm like, no, dear. Like, and uh, so anyways, it's something that you actually trick old people into thinking that it's real, and I fell for it. And so uh, congratulations, and um, I'm just here for the abuse of, uh, for my kids to abuse me. But we're closing this series today. We're moving towards the holidays, which I'm so excited about. Uh, hopefully, I know, I know you all have different family uh, plans and things for Christmas Eve. Our service is going to be at 7, just so you know. We'll be on Facebook and everything like that. We'll do a uh, candlelight service at the end with Silent Night. Uh, the, the halls are going to be decked. We're going to just have a, a, just a wonderful time in the Lord on Christmas Eve. And so hopefully you can be here. Uh, we should have some eggnog and some hot chocolate and some Christmas cookies available for you and, um, and, and your family, and we'll just celebrate uh, the birth of Christ and uh, look forward to the second coming of Christ at the same time. That's what Advent's all about, so uh, we'll be moving into that. But today, we're finishing the series called All or Nothing, and we're focused on a man named Elijah, who is one of the great characters of the Bible, and just one of the, like, the, the heavy hitters, one of the names that, that just has resounded throughout uh, Christian and Jewish history as being a, a core person, and, and yet his story only takes up, like, this small little section of the Bible, but, but what he did was, was so significant and had a key part of history, and, and we, to get you caught up on him, we've, we talked about him being a man of God. And then last week, uh, in, in, in the message on prayer, we said that, we, we read a verse that said Elijah was a man just like us. And as Christians, as believers, God wants to pull us up. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't want us staying low with the culture. He wants us rising up, and by His grace, by his provision, as April said this morning, all of heaven is available to us. And that's not so that we can just uh, roll around in the mud. It's so that we can uh, rise up and, and, that, and that Christ can be glorified in you and Christ can be glorified in me. And so the scripture says that Christ in us is the hope of glory. That's what we're about here is we're about your heart being changed, your life being changed from the inside out. It, it doesn't do any good just to sit there. What does you good is if you allow the Holy Spirit to change you from the inside out and, and to really uh, just kind of flex those muscles and, and to grow into a confident man of God or a confident woman of God. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to take a good guess that we don't always feel like that confident man of God or woman of God. And so that's what this series is about, is, is building our faith and pushing us that way. <coughs> and we talked about flexing those muscles 
of faith, and we flex muscles of faith by practicing total dependence on God and unconditional obedience. And so the only way to grow in faith is painful. And we don't like those moments. We don't like being challenged. We don't like somebody uh, telling us that, that, that there's something that we've got to push through to grow. And yet, on the other side of, of, of those steps of, of depending upon the Lord and then obeying what He asks you to do over and over again, you begin to walk in that faith that He's provided for us to walk in. And so, when a man of God like Elijah feels and senses the Lord telling him, oh, go to the current king who's wicked, married to a woman who's even meaner, and you go tell them that the rain's going to stop when I say it's going to stop, and it's not going to come again until I pray for it to come again. And it's going to be a while. Okay. Yes, Lord. And Elijah goes, do you think that that was his first day of walking with Jesus? Walking with God? Like, was that his first test of faith? No, it wasn't. And we, we get this window of Elijah's life, but, but he had been seasoned in hearing from the Lord at, up to that point and obeying what God had asked him to do. So he got to graduate and move up. And, and we think that growing in the Lord is, is it's not just for our benefit and for more, you know, a bigger halo in heaven or something. It's so that he can use you for more things. And so Elijah goes, he tells the king this, the rain stops three and a half years. We talk about this challenge over at Mount Carmel, which was a mountain uh, near the coast. And, um, and so they have this big showdown, and we had the message, my God is bigger than your God. And we have this confrontation between Elijah by himself and hundreds of prophets of this uh, God that was worshipped at the time called Baal. And God wins the showdown. He shows up with fire. He burns up everything. Elijah calls the people to this ultimate question that we each have to ask with our lives and inside of our hearts. Which God will you serve? You only get to pick one. Which God are you going to serve? And the people have this major change of heart. They realize that they've gone uh, awry. And so then, last week we were talking about prayer. And it said that Elijah humbled himself. We talked about these ingredients for prayer, right? He humbled himself. He asked specifically. He asked fervently. He asked expectantly. And he kept sending his little buddy, his little servant, go look again. Prayed a little bit more. Go look again. Go look again. This was after fire came down from heaven, and it shows that Elijah had to still pray seven times for rain to come. What does God, what's the point? It goes back to that total dependence, unconditional obedience, and, and that's what God wants us to walk in. And, and so we were here at this last day of this series. And there's a reason why the title of this series is called All or Nothing. Because faith is great, but what do you do when the bottom falls out? 
What do you do when the bottom falls out? Today's title is Defeating Depression. Those of you that know me at all and know me well know that I'm generally a pretty positive person. Like, I'm not like moonbeams and unicorns and like a uh, lack of reality. I'm like, yeah, like, hey, this is great. Like, nothing's wrong. And, and like, I understand that we live in a, in a dark world and, and I have bad days and whatever, but I have a positive view on the present. I have a positive view of the past and I have a real positive view of the future because I believe what I read in here. Okay, so I believe that 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 Christians are default supposed to be positive, positively oriented people. Some of y'all are a little depressing, but here's the deal. When I crash, I nosedive off a cliff like 5,000 feet and I just tank in the ground when I crash. Is anybody else like that? Like, like you're, you're usually like pretty good. You're good at cruising at altitude and like you can kind of take some storms. And then when things go bad, it's boosh, I'm out. Like uh, you all are terrible people. And I'm, and that's what I'm saying at the house, you know, and then let alone how I feel about all of you and, and, uh, and the people on TV and yeah, believe it or not. And and so I can go from God is good, God is great, to um, God, what, what's going on here? Well, this happens to Elijah. And, and I appreciate uh, April passed on this scripture to me uh, yesterday. 2 Corinthians 7, 6. I want to read this to you out of the Amplified Contemporary. But God, who comforts and encourages and refreshes and cheers the depressed and the sinking, comforted and encouraged and refreshed and cheered us by the arrival of Titus. Well, what does Titus have to do there with that little uh, sentence or that little verse? Well, this is the Apostle Paul writing, and he's saying that all of these things have happened. We were in a dark place, and God still found a way to encourage us just by sending us a fresh voice with heaven's truth. And within that little pair, within that little verse, we see the heart of a God who knows exactly where we're at. He knows exactly the situations that are around us. He knows our hurts. He knows our concerns. He knows what we are afraid of. He knows our past doubts. He knows what we're excited about. He knows the people that have bad intent towards us. He knows us. And he knows when we're in a dark place. And his heart is to encourage the downcast. And so here's some words for us. Like depression, and, and we'll talk about this through the morning, uh, is, is something that has reared its head as one of the great enemies of our culture today. And so it is a, you are, you are probably within uh, uh, let's see, I'll just be gross. You're within spitting distance of somebody who deals with depression on a regular basis. And I know that's true because I've seen the numbers and I know the people in my own life, okay? And I know what, what I deal with sometimes. And so this thing has, is, is raising its head up as this great enemy of today. 
And so we've got people dealing with this on all different levels. And I'll just say it, I'll say it again later, that, that as far as a clinical depression where you haven't seen the, the sun could be out, but you don't think it's out, and, and that's been your case for a long time, and you don't know where the way out is, then, then you need to talk with somebody, not just pastor, but maybe doctor, and who knows, and, and, and figure out a combination of, of, of how to fight and walk through that. So there's clinical depression, which is what we're, we can't fully address here today. But what I'm, what I'm talking about is, is from, from that level down to, I just feel a little blue today. Anybody have the blues? I'm not singing them. Anybody feel a little downcast? A little downtrodden? A little meh? Yeah. Those are all different waves and, 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 and feelings of, I, I just don't, I'm just not really connecting with the world around me right now. I'll give you an Elijah update. This man has just challenged the local authority. He prayed that the rain would stop, and it stopped. It stopped for three and a half years. During those three and a half years, he didn't miss a meal because God provided for him. He fed him, like I said before, it was early DoorDash or, or Uber Eats. He had ravens bringing him meat and stuff, laying by the creek. He had fresh water, which was rare at that time. And then he had, he had food from heaven being dropped off. And then when the brook dried up, God said, I've got a place for you to live. And he ends up hanging out at this widow's house and, and, and she's making meals and, and, and the food's not running out in their house. And then he has this big showdown at Mount Carmel and he sees fire come from heaven. They, they kill the false prophets. They, he, then he, he prays for rain and rain comes. God is good. God is great all the time. Let's go to 1 Kings 19, 1 through 3. Is it okay to talk about real life in this place? I hope so. When King Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. I just want to say her name nasty every time. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time, by tomorrow, I have not killed you just as you killed them. She is swearing by gods that he just defeated at Mount Carmel. Did you catch that? I swear by the gods that if, if I don't kill you, that that, you know, that's, that's just what my life's purpose is now. Verse 3. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Really? He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. What? 
take my life, Lord, I've had enough. After the awesome things, I mean, we look at that, like that showdown at Mount Carmel, that along with David and Goliath were like my two like awesome stories from a kid, you know, going to Sunday school and, and, and those were my two favorite stories. I just loved the thought of the showdown up there and the fire coming down from heaven and, and just picturing Elijah just like, bring it on. And I pictured David defeating the, you know, defeating the giant and bring it on. But then there's the next day and there's the day after that. And I don't care what type of moonbeams or sunshine you live under, but there's going to come moments that take you for all you're worth. Right? And so here's Elijah through all of this, and he's praying that the Lord would take his life. Wow. All or nothing. That's why, we, that's why I called the series that. Because Elijah was all or nothing. Literally. When, when the bottom fell out, he had nothing left. Like it was, God, I don't even want to be here any longer. I don't want to be here. I, I'm tired. So here's four... Here's a sermon for you. Here's how to get depressed in four easy steps. We're going to start there, but we're going to finish strong. Is that Okay. Number one, wear yourself out. Number two, shut people out. Number three, focus on the negative. Number four, forget God and what He has done. If you want to make depression pie, those are the four ingredients you need. And think about the last time you were on the skids, and maybe you're there today. And I guarantee you've got a combination of these four going on. You're tired. Not just tired, you're overtired. Two, you're shutting people out. And there might be some people left, but you're, you're on a skeleton crew on the SS Adam. Like, I'm, I'm down to just mama and my wife. Like, nobody else talk to me. Right? Because I guarantee you, when you've got less people speaking into you and around you, you are starting to take that cruise down depression drive. Right? Three, focus on the negative. Now, this might just be your MO. And, and God bless you, I don't understand you people. But if life is full of just the worst possible scenarios, then, then you've got an uphill battle every day and uh, just, to see, just to see the sunshine. I, you just do. But, but even for a lighthearted guy like me and, and that tends to see the positive in people and things, and, and, and uh, when I get focused on the negative that's in my current situation, dark things happen, right? You can make the clouds come in and just surround you just by focusing on what you're, on what you're choosing to look at. Like, if, if that's all you're looking at. And then four, 
And this is the most important one, I believe, and that's forgetting God and what He has done. There's a reason why in Revelation it says that we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The grace of God is sufficient for what we are incapable of doing. We cannot uh, achieve salvation. We cannot achieve righteousness. We cannot achieve maturity in the Lord by our own strength. Um, we can't exist outside of the provision of God. And so we need the blood of the Lamb just to, just to be in His family and to, and to have life, true life, right? But in order to overcome, so your victory is in the blood of the Lamb. It's always there. But if you don't remember that it's there, how good is it doing you? Right? It's, it's not serving you any purpose if you don't walk in the understanding of God's grace and His goodness and, and the blood that was shed for you so that you could have a relationship with Father God. And then, you've got to remember what He did for you before. Was Elijah thinking about the mountaintop? Was Elijah thinking about being fed by the ravens next to the brook? Was Elijah thinking about the, the endless supply of, of, of food supply at, at the widow's house? And there's another story we didn't touch on. He prayed for her son to come back to life. He died and came back to life. These weren't on... This, this, these weren't the replays that he was watching. He, he, was, he was screening the, Jezebel wants to kill me again. You know, I'm, I'm just as good as dead. You know, I, I, don't, I can't go anywhere. She's got her people everywhere. I'm, I'm just, God save me the time of getting killed by Jezebel's people and just take my life. He's focusing on that, right? And not what God has done. And so, I got some questions for you today. Elijah went from victory to depression, all or nothing, in a matter of days. Sometimes we can go through this cycle in hours. And if you're really fun, you're doing this maybe even minute by minute, like, woo, 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 woo. Like, oh my. Some of y'all call home first and say, which one of you am I coming home to? You know, Don't nudge your neighbor. And if you laughed really loud, then you're in trouble. Four common ingredients of depression. Overtired, isolated, negative, forgetful of, of, of God's goodness. Question number one today. Of these four, which one is your most common challenge? What is it? I'll tell you mine, if that's okay. Uh, overtired. I'll, I'll wear myself out. And, and then I wonder why I'm really, really grouchy. Like, really, really grouchy. Like, don't come in the family room grouchy. And especially if the Buckeyes play the way. Oh my gosh, grouchy. I did. I invited my dad over yesterday to, to watch the game with the misconception of this should be an easy one. Dad, let's just take a few hours and let's just bask in the greatness of Buckeye glory for a while. I, I need a little pick-me-up. 
This is why I don't go to the Buckeyes for my salvation or my hope or my peace or my joy. Right? I'm joking, but, but seriously, like I, I was hoping that that would be a lighthearted affair yesterday instead of... Like, I mean, crazy. Overtired. That's, I set myself up to go to dark places by running myself down. I see people do the isolation thing to perfection. And these people know how to be in a room of 50 to 100 and not have any meaningful connections. Right? If isolation is, a, is, is one of the classic attempts of Satan, our enemy, to pick you off. Negative. If you get focused on the negative of your life, the negative of your situation, it, you've lost. Until you can see something good about where you're at or, or hope for the future, it might be a terrible situation at hand. I'm wearing my Deanie Strong shirt today. Does anybody know Deanie's story in our community? Some of you do. We've got a seven-year-old fighting brain cancer, and um, he just got his, his mom just updated. He just got uh, checked into hospice. And it's like, um, let's just take a moment right there. Father God, we lift up uh, this family to you. God, this is something that's beyond our capacity for human understanding. And so, Father God, I lift up this child to you. I ask you for your healing. I ask you for your peace. I ask you for your glory to be manifest in this situation. It's in Jesus' name, amen. It's real life. Real bad things can happen. I've got a friend at work whose, whose dad just died in a car accident, and, and I've, there's a few people close to me that have, have gone that way. And, and, and these are real things that will captivate your, your attention, and rightfully so, in the moment and the, and the, the years or, or months surrounding those things. But I can remember even when we were uh, at the end of my sister-in-law's life and, and, and she was losing her battle with cancer, we were so thankful that my middle child, Hope, was, was born. And, and she was just a few months old at that time. It was so wonderful to have a baby during that time. Right? And it's so easy for us to just stay on the problem. And to just stay on all of the negative effects of that problem. And God has a pathway through every one of those dark times in our life. There's a reason why the psalmist, why David could write, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. Right? And so there's a pathway out of every dark place. There's a, there's a light at the end of every tunnel of depression. And, and the person who's going to get you there is Jesus ultimately. And so which one of these things do you wrestle with? Do you forget your testimony? Well, I don't have a testimony. Yes, you do. If you're sitting here in this room, God is working in your life. He's brought you here today. You might not trust your life to Him yet. And I pray for the moment you do, but don't be a fool. God has led you here. 
He's doing something in your heart. He's drawing you unto Him. And friend, the best thing you can do is to trust your soul to His care. He'll lead you through it. Elijah honestly believed that he was the only faithful one left. This is something else he says to God. He says, I'm the only one. Have you ever been frustrated in a situation? It's, it's just me. Thanks, God. Just, you know, a little help, you know. Here's Elijah, man of God. God, it's just me. What does God tells him? He says, I forget, the, I forget the number of people. He says, he says, listen to this. He said, yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. And it's just at the end of this chapter that he goes and lays his cloak on just to be confusing in the Bible. The next prophet of God is named Elisha. And yes, it's easy to get them mixed up. But the next guy is right there. He's already out there. And so here's Elijah buying this lie of, I'm the only one. God, I'm the only one doing this. I'm the only one driving this thing. Question number two, can you name a lie that you believe to be true? And, and you, might need some, you might need some good people that love you to tell you a lie that you're believing right now. And, and it'll take you a step of faith and trust of them to say, can you tell me something that I'm, I'm not getting right? Well, what is it? Well, working with people through the years in ministry, I've, I've seen people that are stuck in, in different, uh, stuck in different ways and they're believing a lie maybe told to them by their parents. You're not worth anything. You're ugly. I wasn't pointing at anybody in particular. You're stupid. I was pointing at No, I'm just kidding. What lie are you believing? What, what lie are you believing about your present? What lie are you believing about your future? Like, this is the best it's going to get. Friend, that's not the, that's not the God I read about. This says all things are possible for those who believe. This, is, this says that God has my best uh, uh, at heart. That, that He it can lead me through things. And that my best is yet to come. This, this says that there's hope for tomorrow. And this says that no matter what happens to this amazing, you know, chiseled piece of marble here, <laughs> that no matter what happens to this, that there's a spirit inside of me that sits with the Father as, as, a, as a son now because I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ and so I belong to Him and no matter what happens to this, inside of this, around this, I'm going to spend all of eternity praising Him. And so I can at least, and it's really the best thing I can do, is to think eternally even if the next 10 years look terrible. And that is so hard to do, right? What is a lie that you are believing? That the, is this really the... God, if this is... Elijah was at the place where this is, this is what my life's come to. I just get to get chased around by Jezebel. And no matter what I do, 
Jezebel. Take me now, Lord. Gosh. You think God gets tired of us crying about this stuff? I just sent fire down from heaven. Right? Wow. What lie are you believing? What is God's truth that counters that lie? Because that's your way out of those lies. You've got to go to God's Word on something. If you're struggling with uh, your self-worth or something, you've got to go to Jeremiah. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You've got to go to, you know, you've got to, go to things that, that speak to the value of who you are inside of Him. Because if you anchor your value to God, then it's, it's, a, it's an unmovable foundation. If your anchor of, of who you are and your value is in your appearance, your children, your education, your bank account, or whatever else, those are all subject to change. Welcome to your 40s, Adam. Dude, my knees hurt so many mornings now, and I'm just like, this isn't right. Subject to change. I can't put my faith in anything here or any of you I've got to put it in the Lord. And I need His truth for my life. God encouraged Elijah to do these things. Eat. Thank you, Jesus. Get the truth. To hear His voice. And the last one's interesting. To get back to work. What are we talking about here? God's prescription for our depression is this. God tells Elijah, eat and rest. No? Eat some more, rest some more. Uh, nope. Eat some more, rest some more. That sounds good, right? That's what I do on Sundays. I leave this place, I eat a lot, and then I hit the couch. But seriously, if being overtired is how you is one of the ways you got there, then you've got to you've got to build your physical strength back up. You are walking around in this physical body. We're stuck with it for right now. We've got to take care of it. Number two, God replaces our lies with His truth. I'm the only one left. No, you're not. Number three, God speaks, and you've got to hear His voice. And let me read that to you. First Kings 19, 11, and 12. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. After the wind, after the earthquake, after the fire, listen for God's voice. It's going to be there. He's going to pick you back up and set you back up for the next leg of the race. Which is step four. God gives us something to do. And that part of the story finishes 
And God says, go tap Elijah on the shoulder and say, tag, you're it. Seriously, he says, go find Elijah, Elisha. Put your cloak on him and train him to be the next man that I'm going to use to speak to this country. God gave him something to do. You might have something terrible going on in your life. You might have a few something terribles going on in your life. There are still people that God needs you to reach. And there's still people that you're living for. And that goes back to what lie are you believing of? What am I here for? There's, there's no, I'm out of value here, God. I'm no good to you. I'm no good to me. I'm no good to anybody. And God looks down at Elijah and He says, I've got other stuff for you to do. You've got value to me regardless of what you do, but there's, there's something else for you to do. And so even in the face of great loss, there's something that can use your attention. And so no matter what place you get to in life, uh, uh, empty nesters or, or, or widowed or, 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 or retired, or there's some guys that retire and they don't know what to do with themselves. And, and, and a lot of people, especially men, go into depression after they retire. How sick is that? It's time to party. It's time to sleep in. But seriously, when, when, when your purpose is gone, that takes a piece of you away. You take a guy who's lost his job, there's some depression there. There's some dark days, right? You take, uh, you, you have your, your youngest kid turn 13 and they act like they don't need you anymore. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, I'm glad I went to all the trouble to have y'all. And now y'all don't need me. Absolutely. Those are all opportunities for depression because our value, our purpose is tied in with those crazy teenagers. And we should care that much, right? So this is something that we have to take to the Lord in that situation and say, God, what do you want me to do now? If that little smelly creature don't need me, I'm going to go find somebody that does. Right? Maybe this is real personal for me right now, but no. That's why you get grandchildren. Man. But seriously, there's something. God, what do you want me to do now? It's, it's, it really isn't about the beach and, and just counting the uh, and crossword puzzles at, at the end of your life. What does God... What's He given you all this time for now? Right? There's a great book by a man named Bob Buford about halftime about people getting to a place in their life. They've got, they've got the resources. They've got the time. This is when they usually buy things like Corvettes and, you know, and cool stuff like that. And, uh, but the focus of that book is you've got another half left. And if not a half, maybe a third. And, and you think it's just yours? That's really selling yourself short. And, and there again, you're not living a life of faith. Do you want to be a man of God in retirement? Well, men of God don't retire. What am I talking about? If we limit our life, if we limit this 20 years to what 
to, to what I can do here, and oh, this is just for me to do this and figure out some things, get some education, whatever else. Okay, that's all, that's, that's good, 20 years, good. This 20 years is about having my kids, and this is about uh, getting my career done, and that's good, that's good, check. This 20 years is about becoming su some, uh, successful, saving some money, check, check, check. This 20 years is me on the beach. You have limited all of those things to just what you can do with your own capabilities. And a man of God, a woman of God says, God, what do you want to do with me? What do you want to do with me while I raise my kids? What do you want to do with me after I raise my kids? What do you want to do with me while I'm at work? When do you, what do you want to do with me after work, after I'm retired? God, what do you want to do? Because His answers in that space and where He leads you to are going to be to things that you couldn't quite imagine. And these are going to be things that stretch your heart and your footprint and your legacy far bigger than it ever could just by putting in your time. Right? This is about making a dent for the Kingdom of God. My life, your life, your life, and your life. Overtired, isolated, negative, forgetful. Which of these resonate with you the most? And then God's recipe for coming out of depression, what's the one that sticks out to you? Do you need to rest? Do you need to go to the Word of God to find His truth? And it probably needs a combination of all of these. Do you need to just hear a word from the Lord for your life? We'll pray with you. We'll walk with you through that. Do you know what God wants you to do? I heard, uh, I can't even remember, so I'll just, I'll just say I made it up, you know? What, do you, what does God want you to do? Well, think of the last thing that He told you to do, and you do that until you know specifically that He wants you to do something else. And, and He uses our passions, He uses our giftings, but then He also steers us towards needs and, and, and where those can be used at. And so those are things where you need to find somebody that can talk with you through that and pray alongside with you through that. We'll have people up here to pray today and, and you could get started on that journey of God... I just need to hear your voice. I need, to, I need to know what you want me to do. I need you to tell me where to go. God, if it's stay, stay. If it's go, go. If it's to lock into this thing, then uh, do that. God, if it's to stop doing this, this, this. These were how these people functioned. It was God sent me here, I go here. He tells me to say this, I say this. And it's like, Pastor Adam, is it, is it really like opening a fortune cookie and you're just going to know what to do? No, but I can tell you that it is about a walk. It's about a relationship. And I can tell when I'm in the, and not in the right place. Sometimes Danielle will just tell me. <laughs> but seriously, the people close to you can, can, can see this. Like, this isn't good for you. You're, you're on an unhealthy pattern here. I really think you could do this. I, and, and God's shown me things, you know, sometimes I like with people, like I think you would be great to do this role. What do you think about this? Do you want us to teach you how to do that? Sometimes people will bring those things to you. 
But I have a sense of, 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 of when God will like highlight something and I feel drawn to it and, and okay, God, you're leading me towards that thing. So no, it's not like a booming voice from heaven for me or, or, a, or a open a fortune cookie and you know be nice to people kind of thing. But He will lead us. The bottom line with this series is that as things come and go, the victories, the defeats, that God is calling us to be men and women of faith. And faith is where we believe in God walking. It's, it's so complete. It's not just a walking alongside. Another word for the Holy Spirit was this, is this one who walks with you kind of thing. And, 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 and God is that way with us. He is with us. Even a, a prophecy for, for Jesus being born was His name will be Emmanuel. God with us. And it, and it wasn't just for while He was around physically and then He wasn't with us. It was he, he came in so we would learn how to interact with Him and we see that with the disciples. And then He said, I'm leaving so that another could come. And that's the Holy Spirit. So that we could live and walk with God through this crazy life that we've all been given to live. And yes, depression and dark days comes, but this Bible, this book, is full of promise that there's light and hope and truth that can carry you through that and get you to the other side and ready to get back to what He has called you to do. Amen? Let's pray this morning. God, I thank You for a word of hope today. God, I thank You that, that You have the answer for depression. God, You have the answer for anxiety. You have the answer for hopelessness. And it's hope. It's purpose. It's Your passion for us. It's Your calling of us to greater things, God. It's Your walking alongside us through the dark days, through the challenges, through the defeats, through the uh, against our enemies, God. And, and, and even after the great victories, God, and the celebrations, God, sometimes I'm the most tired after a great victory. I'm worn out. And even though I've just celebrated at the mountaintop with You, God, I'm so weak in that moment because I'm exhausted. God, I pray that Your people today would respond to Your way out of this. That we would figure out the lies that we're believing that we would rest, that we would remember what You've done before, and that we would look forward to what You are ultimately going to do. If you need a touch, I appreciated April asking that this morning. If darkness is a part of your life today. It might surround you. It might be all you can see in this moment. It might just be some smaller struggle. But you want to see heaven's way out. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. I see those hands. This is a place to be honest with your Creator. He already knows. And so when you respond to Him, you're, you're understanding and you're, you're actually taking a step of faith just by raising your hand. 
because you're believing that not I just see you, but that God sees you. And He does. Father God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room. Those that are in dark places today, yesterday, and maybe it's a regular part of their life, God, or something that's around them right now. God, I pray that they would hang on tightly to You. That they would seek out Your truth. God, that they would hear Your voice. God, that they would rest in You. And God, we thank You that You are going to move. And God, You have something for each of them to do to glorify Your name and to rise above their own story, God. And that they would re-participate in Your plan for the world around them, God. Thank You, Jesus. Can we stand and worship as we close?